usually don't do this. We usually just launch into our intro, but we couldn't decide today. Like, what should we talk about? Because we had what's the intro? A few be? interesting things, and so we decided to kind of allow a little peek behind the curtain and to tie them all together, <laughs> or at least tie two lifting, of them together. Yeah, <laughs> lifting the veil. <laughs> so, topic number one was yes. The menstrual Men-thief. cycle. We could talk about our periods, which is everyone's favorite topic. How did how did that um, come up? Oh, because I sit on a heating pad because it's cold in this room. Correct. And I was pulling and- out my blanket to go over my legs. And then when she said she sat on a heating pad, I said, oh, there's a thing I shouldn't say because it makes me very unlikable. And then Shannon said, what, swamp ass? And I said, no, <laughs> that... That seems like a really useful thing to do if you have period cramps, which I don't usually have, which makes me super popular with all of the people with uteruses who do have cramps. Because That's insane. Yeah, you have none <laughs> ever. <I'm> not- <laughs> and then I said, I also don't have cramps, but I don't have a period because I have an IUD, right. which stops my periods. But if I didn't have an IUD... I I would have terrible cramps. And, the, and but before she gave us the context, that was the unsubscribe heard around the world. Right. <laughs> right. All of the people with cramps are like, forget y'all, I'm out. Right. <laughs> and then topic number two was was how Skylar ruined my one opportunity to get a perfect wordle <laughs> because I thought Ouija was a really great first word. So on one of mine I tried Ouija and it turned out that the word that day was my go-to first word, which was earth. And so I missed my one opportunity to get it right on the first guess. So thanks, Oh, Tyler. that's good. Um, yeah. I'm just going to blame and him. And also, whoever got moist on the first try this past week, shame on you. <laughs> I don't. That was a very upsetting experience for me because mm-hmm. I should have gone to Twitter and just seen all of the little vomit emojis. And no, I would have known exactly what the word was. But no, instead, I went to Wordle first and I started playing the game. Why do yep. people hate that word so much? Uh, Menses. N- no, moist. Oh. <laughs> Menses is six. Is, that that will never be a Wordle word. This, I think people is, don't <laughs> like it because of the imagery that it conjures. Because some people have. Because heads... that's what it conjures no, for me. That's really pure. Mm-hmm. Flow that you sweet what, what image does it conjure for you? A towelette. No, I think people think of like swamp badge. Okay. I don't know. I guess I guess most of the thing like I think I guess I think about moist and then moisturizer and that's I think a you good should thing. definitely I think you should definitely continue saying the word because that's not going to be the second time we get a massive unsubscribe. Unsubscribe yeah. heard around the Round world. Round two of unsubscribe. <laughs> the people who were like, the third... I'm still here after the period talk, even though you all don't have cramps. But you know when you lost me, you kept saying the word. Well, <laughs> and the third let's topic. Let's get to strike three. Strike uh, <laughs> this is how we all Our third together. topic was going to be... Uh, the land park terror uh stephanie duncan who (laughs) follows council members around with a red bullhorn and we were just going to joke about that for a bit and 
and I said I would rather have a period than listen to Stephanie Duncan say anything with her bullhorn, with or without. And friends. But you never cramp up anyway. Right. And friends. Yeah, but I, I would, I would take the IUD out and have a period. I would <laughs> rather go full. <laughs> Just give it all back to me. You're you're risking a lot there because oh. you're also potentially risking a pregnancy that you're not interested in having. I mean, that's a that's a very that's not just a period. You're risking also going. I have to get a new one soon anyway, okay, so it'll just be the okay. process, the process of getting it out and putting one back in. You know. Yeah. I hope this turns out to be like an iconic top five episode <laughs> where this is the intro. I'm dying for that to happen. Oh, team IUD. That's a ridiculous intro. <laughs> uh, so, folks, you, you got to see a little bit how the sausage is made on our side of things. Snossages. Yes. And I guess that's, I don't, why don't we just like start the show? Because I don't know how we can. I think you, Shannon, you tied all of them together yes. very well. Thank you. Thank you. You Thank know you what? That's that. what I'm here for. Thank you for that thread. Yeah. Ain't no thing. All right. Now let's go on to the show. Okay. Period. Let's do it. Period. Menses. <laughs> we say the things they said. Voices. I'm from those days. All the voices heard. Voices. Hello, everyone. You have Kempa. And Shannon. And Flo. And no Skylar today. Turns out he is in Hawaii, I believe. Woo. Enjoy. Right? Yeah, see, I saw some really nice pictures on Instagram and, or was it Twitter? I never, or maybe Facebook. I don't know. I follow him on multiple platforms, but I was very jealous. I've never been. I've been to many places, never been to Hawaii. Yeah. Same. Yeah, they look like they were having a great time. Yeah, no. Well, have fun. Yeah. yeah. I hope. See the if we care. Whatever. Skinny coladas are delicious or yeah, whatever. whatever. Nope. Skyler. Yeah. We don't even miss you. Whatever. No. You know, when I, I miss, your name. when I miss, I'm nowhere fun and you're somewhere fun. So, whatever. When Flo yeah, misses, but you're like doing she's like not even important. She's not, she's, like, her cell phone's off. She's not yeah. even. You're up on a dais somewhere <laughs> trying to browbeat elected officials let us begin i think this is a really interesting episode we had a this is a this is a request um from someone very close to our hearts uh (laughs) came up with the idea of why don't you do an episode on sort of what the responsibility of a county is and what the responsibility of the city is right Mm -hmm. and so obviously as a show based out of sacramento california we can do that on whose responsibility it is to to do something as the you know at the the county level whose responsibility is at the city level where they should work together and if they do or do not and kind of what the people can do about that Um, so to begin there was a, a piece, a very frustrating piece that came out in the B the other day on a homeless camp over on Fair Oaks and Howe. Uh, and it seems like 
county officials are gunning basically to take on the city uh, and use these poor folks who who have nothing as pawns. Uh, Shannon, can you kind of paint the picture uh, on what that's about, what's going on there? Yes. Um, so for more than a year, um, the piece states that roughly 30 men and women have been living in tents at this encampment um, that is located on Fair Oaks and Howe. Um, so that would be like between University Village and the there's apartments that run on the opposite side um, of that. There's like a triangle-shaped uh, piece of city um, land. Um, and they have not, that encampment has not been asked to move. Um, the city is citing the Martin versus Boise decision out of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, um, which essentially states that um, cities and counties should not be siting or, or moving encampments if there's not a shelter bed available. And in Sacramento, there are no shelter beds available on any given night. Um, they're They're full. So, um, this piece of property is like, you can walk a matter of steps and you're in, you go past the county line. Um, if you walk toward, um, wait, if you're like on Fair Oaks walking toward Watt, you would be walking, um, into the, into county space Right. And so the, the the camp itself is in city property in, or right. in public space, city city area. Um, but the, but there is uh, it's very, very near the county line. And then there is sort of a storyline going there. Right. So what ends up happening here is that the district attorney and the sheriff's office are soliciting information about the encampment from folks in the area, um, which makes it seem as if they're preparing for some legal filings. Um, they've sent out a survey that is called the Neighborhood Nuisance Abatement, Abatement Questionnaire. Um, and it asks for folks to write down any activity that they have witnessed, which is, uh, quote, unquote, illegal or nuisance. They ask um, about property values um, decreasing as a result of this encampment. They ask what happens when um, they report issues to the city. Um, and the Sacramento Bee was able to obtain a copy of the survey. And one of the questions reads, are you willing to sign a written declaration prepared by the district attorney's office to be filed with the superior court? So clearly there's some. It looks like they're trying to, they're about to sue the city. Right. right. And these are the folks trying to sue the city are District Attorney uh, Monster Anne-Marie Schubert of Sacramento County, who is running for Attorney General of the state, as well as Sacramento County Sheriff Scott Jones, who is, I believe, running for Congress. Congress. Yeah. And I think it's a newly formed seat or a newly constituted seat. The third Yes. Yeah, yeah. The 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 jurisdiction, uh, the the way it is, the way the where of it all is all very new, yeah. and so there's a lot of people vying for this. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, both of them seem to be using this as sort of a tough on crime, red meat justice. You know, yeah. get these folks out of here. Lawsuit that will help them in their in their eyes uh, in their elections. This 
this whole storyline kind of brings together it's a confluence of, of a lot of discussions we've had before on the show right. i think um one being uh you know homelessness uh another being whose jurisdiction is it to uh, or whose whose job is it to address homelessness um and this is an interesting one because you know, in as much as these folks are living on city within city limits, uh, the the money for the most part uh, for addressing homelessness issues should be coming out of the county, uh, and it, it it really shows how little the county and the city are working together on on possibly the biggest issue of our time as Californians. Um, so what we wanted to do tonight was, um, you know, thankfully we have Shannon, who's an expert on homelessness, who's been <laughs> navigating between these two spaces for a very, very long time. Uh, on We have Flo, who is a part of the People's Budget, as well as the chair of the Measure U Committee, who knows very well sort of what money goes where and how your budget shows what your principles are we wanted to discuss what a story like this says about ourselves as a community and and really if you're a frustrated resident uh who wants to see these folks helped who should you be mad at who should you be reaching out to and what can you do um so flo you're also a member of the people's budget can you briefly tell us what that is i know there, it's actually just people's budget is just starting up again ramping up again this year yes um so people's budget sacramento was started in the summer of 2020 um and the idea behind it is to really focus on budget justice in both the city and the county of sacramento and what that essentially just means is like engaging the entire community and the development and the execution of the budgets um and prioritizing support to people who are most impacted impacted by, you know, the the ways that the budget are spent, right? And so when we think about most impacted, we're talking about an equity budget, right? Everyone being served according to their need. And we recognize that people who have um, lower incomes or are parts of communities that have been historically and in an ongoing manner, you know, um, disinvested are the people who are most, you know, likely to um, be in need of the support that we're providing. It doesn't mean that everybody doesn't need it, but the, those needs are really concentrated. And so that's really what the people's budget is about, is focusing on the city and county and trying to get more people involved in these discussions. And as Dave always says, budgets are boring. <laughs> uh, they are not sexy. Um, I'm not wrong. And he may not be wrong, but he's not right either. Because there is a way that, you know the the budget is where we decide what our real priorities are. So people can give a lot of lip service to things during campaigns. People can give a lot of lip service to things during, um, you know, speeches and on the dais. But how you actually spend your dollars is the biggest indicator of what you value. Um, and, you know, even on a personal level, right? Like I, I was told when I was young that if you show me your calendar, and at the time, your checkbook, that dates me a little bit. I can show you what's meaningful to you, right? Because that's how you spend your time and your money. Um, and so for, for our, our city and county, that's how they tell us what their actual priorities are, even if they won't put them in black and white on paper, which is another issue. The city of Sacramento has no priorities. Okay. Yeah. So let's, um, why don't I give you a, a little scenario 
and help bring a budget to life here. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say I'm a I'm a constituent of District Four in Sacramento uh, City. Like I'm a Sac- in Sacramento. I'm a, I'm a constituent of the council uh, member for District Four. Uh, let's say on a Saturday, you know, the whole community is going out to discuss homelessness <laughs> with our council member, uh, Katie Valenzuela, who is the council member of District 4. Now, I'm a homeowner in East Sac. I'm very angry. Um, I'm not very smart, uh, but I want this thing to be fixed, right? I want homelessness to be to be addressed, and, and I, I, want, I, I, I want a solution, right? Um, now we'll say, uh, let's just give him a name. Uh, you know, uh, I'll just make something up. Uh, well, let's call this constituent. Um, I don't know, Jeff Harris. Uh huh. So I go to this thing, and and I'm frustrated, and I I want some answers, and I want to know, you know, how do we address, you know, how all of these folks who are living on the streets uh, throughout the central grid and um, who I guess I suppose some of them touch the borders of East Sac on occasion as well. So oh, per- period, that's Menses, that's the end. Well, what I mean, I, I'm angry. I want answers. Who yeah. do I like it? it like, Sorry. you know, my my frustration sure. is like, I just I want this thing solved. I'm not that smart constituent Jeff Harris, who is fictional. I want someone to help yeah. me walk through where budget money should be coming from and right. where it should be going to start addressing this um, on a on a on a real level. Right. So <laughs> here is the the best way to answer that. If you are living in District Four of the City of Sacramento, you are covered by both the city and the county, and that's right important because it just makes things confusing, right? Um, You live in the city of Sacramento and you live in the county of Sacramento. And so there's often this like kind of like back and forth that happens because people don't know the difference and rightly so, they even have the same freaking name. But the city's budget is much, much, much smaller than the county's budget. The city has a third of the people. The, The city of Sacramento is the largest city in the county, but it has far fewer people. And the jurisdiction of what it does and does not control is different. So with the exception of three cities in the state of California, all of the rest of um, of the cities don't have their own health departments. Um, and, and what that means is that most of the services that are gonna be provided um, are gonna be provided by the county, especially when it comes to social services and health services. So that's- If the county's if the county doing, county its, is job. doing its job. Absolutely. Um, and none of those three cities are Sacramento, so that's not really worth noting. But I do like to give that that caveat that there are three that have their own city health departments like Berkeley and Pasadena. Um, but the, for everybody else, your your health department and your social services are housed at the county. So if you live in the city, it means that you have to figure out anytime you need something, whether you need to go to parent A, which is the city, to get it, or parent B, which is the county, to get it. Um, and parent B is the parent who we don't often ask for things for because parent A is the parent that we think of first. So we go to the city for lots of things, um, because 
we view them as as maybe more responsive. Um, we view them as being a little more local. Um, and that's who we hear about. We hear about, you know, mayors more than we hear about and, and council members more than we hear about our um, supervisors. But the challenge is that they have the bigger budget and they actually have the responsibility for a lot of the things that we're looking to do. And so that's the the important point I think that we need to drive home is that sometimes when we're asking the city to do things, the county really needs to be a better partner. And the challenge is that these two, two entities aren't like a divorced couple that's not speaking. They're like in a silent marriage where they don't speak to each other a lot <laughs> and maybe... Mm-hmm stopped having sex like five or six years ago and sleep in separate bedrooms like but once every three weeks they'll like uh they'll bite the bullet and go to dinner with a a fellow friend couple. right and they are and they are staying together for the kids um the kids are 27 32 and 35 and don't really care (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're standing the kids for the just kids. want the everyone like, to be Please. okay at this the kids point are like i mean do yeah. you do you parents i don't care um <laughs> so that's kind of where they are in terms of like they're not entirely alienated and isolated from each other there are some collaborations and some working together but it's not a functional relationship as in as soon as one's line of responsibility ends, the other one automatically picks up. And so we see examples of that. We talked a lot about this example of, you know, what happened last January with the storm, where like there was a lot of attention focused on the city because the city had, you know, shelters open, warming centers open the night before the the storm and could have done something. And that's absolutely true. But it's also this is January of 21, of 21 during yes, last the January. um the, the night of terror yeah. where at least a half a dozen uh, people outside died. Right. But the other side of that story is that the county could have declared a state of emergency. The county could have also mobilized resources around this. And while I'm still furious with the city for not doing what they could have done because that doesn't let them off the hook, we also need to save some of our energy for the county and say, you all are kind of getting by scot-free sometimes in terms of getting the smoke you deserve for things that you're not doing, which is a lot. Um, the county has far more parcels that they could offer up for safe shelter, for permanent housing, and they're just not doing their their you know not carrying their weight in the way that they could. And this okay. is if I if I can say that if we're talking about homelessness in particular, um, I think one of the things that's really important to remember that changed the trajectory of the conversation and the thinking around city versus county responsibility um, for the crisis is a decision that was made back in 2008-2009 when the um, organization known as Sacramento Steps Forward was born. Um, that is an organization that took over when when, Sac- when the county of Sacramento sort of like threw its hands up to homeless services and was like, we can't manage this anymore. We need a we need sort of a third party to come in and handle the the HUD contracts and the, you know, like the point in time count and um, like the navigator stuff that was going on back then. Um, the then mayor, Kevin Johnson, took it upon himself to stand up and say, you know, Sacramento steps forward. This is the thing. It's, you know. And, and everyone calls it, like, Kevin Johnson's idea. Sacramento Steps Forward was all because of Kevin Johnson. It's our former um, mayor and former uh, Phoenix Sun NBA star. Right. Um, and so I think what that really did was it changed the way that people thought about 
how issues of homelessness should be addressed in our region um, because it, it made it really easy for folks to blame the city when the city's then mayor was standing in front of like every media opportunity talking about, you know, um, permanent supportive housing and ending chronic homelessness was the, the, the um, language that was used at the time. Um, but the reality is that we have this, you know, it's, it's a joint powers authority that Sacramento City and Sacramento County have joint power to help address these issues. So if you have an issue um, specific to homelessness and you are living in the city of Sacramento, you contact your city council person, which if you are um, the constituent that we just pulled the name out of thin air, constituent Jeff Harris, you would then contact your council member, Katie Valenzuela, because you live in District 4, um, and and let her know all of the things that you'd like her to know. But in, at the exact same time, you would want to reach out to your county board of supervisors representative, who is Phil Cerna, and and say to both of those folks, because both of those folks represent you in an elected seat, um, this this is what's going on. And I would like to see solutions right. and also maybe not just yell at them, but offer like actual viable solutions that you think could, you know, help things move in a positive direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So can we talk about like, OK, there are so solutions like, um, you know, we should have social housing at a mass scale. We should have permanent supportive housing. Uh, as part of our triage um, for all the folks who are currently experiencing emergency situations, we want to have um, things like shelters or perhaps a, a safe ground that has, you know, very, very ample services that makes your material circumstances better than if you were, you know, out on the street today. Um, who's... Who's got the real purse strings for that? Like how much money is in the city budget versus the county budget flow? Uh, and and kind of who who's determining how much goes to these things? I'm glad you asked because um, the amounts of money are vastly different. So when we think about the total city budget, it's about $1.3 billion. Um, and when we think about the total county budget we're talking about 6.4 billion dollars so even if we you know the city has about 500,000 residents about half a million people and the county has about 1.5 million so even if we were to say okay well the county's budget should be bigger because they're three times as big but three times as big would only be somewhere around 30 like 3.9 billion dollars and they have 6.4 billion dollars so their budget is vastly bigger than the city of Sacramento's. And I think that's so, important to point out. So like, obviously we want to talk to our city council member. They have a smaller constituency. They are more on the ground. Um, and that's good to do. But our supervisor, county supervisor, let's say for um, this, this made up angry constituent of, of uh, council member Valenzuela's district um, who we're calling Jeff Harris uh, maybe I should also be reaching out to Phil Cerna and saying hey we know that you have X amount of dollars we know that 
X amount should be going to homelessness, to mental health. What's going on? Yes. Well, the um, and that's really important. I think the other part of this to remember is that the county has a long, a long history of having um, the their like social service entity, which is called the Department of Human Assistance, and the Department of Human Assistance does things like. Um, that's where you would go if you're a family and you are eligible for food stamps. That's where you would go and you would apply family or single. If you are a person and you're eligible for food stamps or um, if you're eligible for cash aid, you would go and that's where you go get what, what people, you know, would often call welfare. That's it's the welfare office. Mm-hmm. But it is also the space that works directly with people experiencing homelessness. They have an entire homeless outreach team. Um, they actually go out into encampments and engage directly with people experiencing homelessness and have offered shelter beds. They've offered motel vouchers. They have offered housing. The county of Sacramento is the only um, uh, government entity that holds a family shelter contract. So the city does not. The county does that. Right. Um and it, we, I think it's really important to remember that while we're, while folks have become really used to yelling at the city about all of the things that they're not doing um, for unhoused folks, they also have to get used to asking the county why they get so much money and are and are not doing anything right like the county is pulling pulled in 181 million dollars of cares act money like how where where did all of that money go did it actually help any unhoused folks or why are we still waiting for certain things to come through like use that same um you know like fiery passion that we see at the council meetings for the county because They've got the money. They've got the whole damn department, right? Like, And also, they have the authority. So the right. other thing that has come up a lot um, in some of the lawsuits that have been brought against um, the county in particular is, is that, you know, like, so going back to, again, the night of terror last January, the county also could have declared a state of emergency and done things to be able to mobilize resources, right? So, and they have the authority to do that. All of the, you know, stay-at-home orders and the mask mandates and all of those things come from the county because they have the authority to do that. So again, there is this abdication of responsibility of like, we're looking at, you know, the city and saying, why didn't you? But also it would have made the decision a lot easier had the county done its due diligence and declared an emergency that night and declared that things needed to be mobilized and mobilized their own resources as well to be right. able to do some of that work. So I just want to make sure that we don't let them off the hook um, just right. because they're less they're less proximate to us. I think we have to add to that part of the conversation too, like that the city has to like as much as possible, maybe stop like making promises and saying that you're going to do things when the county has mm. yet to be held accountable for the things that they are actually funded to do. Right. So part of the reason that we have so many people who are upset and calling the city and sending, you know, emails and showing up at community meetings and all of this is because we have people at the city level saying that they're going to do X, Y, and Z thing. Um, you know, our mayor, for example, 
it has said time and time again that like this is the thing he wants to work on homelessness and we're going to get shelter beds and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And so all that's happening is some public accountability. Um, but I think if the city actually wants to hold the county accountable to the work that they should absolutely be doing, then they have to stop saying that they're going to do it too, right? And, right? and instead say, we're going we need to work in partnership with the county. Um, right. And I do hear that. I'm not saying And reiterate that message over and over. Right. But yeah. say it time and time again. Yeah. You know, I, I think a lot of what you're both discussing here kind of reminds me on what people are hearing, what your average person in Sacramento or even in Sacramento County is hearing and where they're hearing, hearing it from, right? Um, and there's a media element here. Uh, and, and there's something kind of interesting to me about that, uh, as I, I guess I kind of vaguely consider myself a former member of the media, even though, you know, we're doing the show, but city council meetings get covered very, very well and very tightly, uh, by our local media, our board of supervisor meetings, a, a, a strong bit less so. Um, and I think there's a number of reasons for that, um, and and like we should consider the fact that given the magnitude, given the amount of money and the amount of power that our county has, our county should have give or take five times the amount of coverage. But I feel like there's a few things going on here. One, county meetings are fully during the day. Right. Uh, nine to five workday. You, it's hard for your average working person to even have an idea what's going on at your county meeting and then to even like set aside time to actually be a part of the civic process to do that. Uh, city council meetings often, not always currently, because sometimes they're early afternoon now, uh, are after the workday and your nine to fiver can pay closer attention. Um, but they're only allowed also, to do afternoon meetings at certain frequencies. Like they can have committee meetings yeah. and things, but city council meetings, most of them have to like by city, uh, by their, I, I can't remember if it's city ordinance or if it's their own council rules of procedure, but they have to have them like five o'clock or later. Um, yeah. So, and that's not and the then, case for the county. And the county also often will have 85 items on an agenda. Yes. And when they have 85 items, uh, if you don't have community watchdogs or, you know, a robust media staff to to really go through every single line, things can slip through the cracks. Very important things. Um, And so that's a problem, too. I think there's something to be said about sort of the way some of these meetings are conducted. Um, I think there is like a very drab process uh, in the county level meetings that sort of turns a person off, even a person in the media, um, and because people in the media are people and they they get turned on. They, they It clicks to them. They start paying attention when something fiery happens. Right. City council meetings are generally more fiery for any number of reasons. Um, city level things can be more fiery. You know, let's say you are running a committee that is, you know, trying to determine where particular tax dollars should be going, and you end up dressing down an elected official for 10 minutes, uh, that's going to get shown in the media over and over again (laughs) over the course of a year or two. Uh, But, like, you don't see things like that happening on a county level. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I think just in general, the city has afforded 
the public um, more of an open door for engagement. Whereas the county just, I think the county to people who are not familiar with the process and are not familiar, you know, with the county apparatus in general, they, um, it's a little bit intimidating. Um, you just, even walking into the county building can feel really intimidating right. as opposed to walking into city hall where it does feel, you know, a little bit, it does just feel easier to walk into that building. Like the county building, you're like, oh, you feel like you're in a jail. All up the steps, um, and it's just very intimidating, yeah. And it's all dark, like, you know, it's weird, dark decor. Like, it's, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry. And like, I don't know m- many answers to this beside, like, you know, it's, I think it behooves us as a community to support media outlets to have beat reporters yeah. more heavily reporting on this. But, it, you know, it, the business model has to work out or else uh, right. news outlets aren't going to do that, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The... Yeah. Sorry. Should I move on to the next? I, I know we, we went kind of long on this, but it, this was so good because I think this really... I think we kind of broadly gave a good picture on city and county jurisdiction here. Um, Can I just say one more thing, Dave, before we move on? Is that... You yeah, know, when, I was going to ask. When we think about the the city council, right? There's the mayor and you know city council, and there's nine of them, focusing on five hundred thousand people. But then when we get to the county supervisors, there's only five of them focusing on one point five million people. So there are both fewer people, which means that each seat has more power, right? Yep. And they also have a larger budget and. You know, and then they have obviously a county executive as well, similar that operates kind of similarly to our city manager. But they have a lot of mm-hmm. power at the county as well. So having a conversation with one or two people, they're they're representing more people. They have more money, um, and they're often going unnoticed. So like your conversations mean so much when you're meeting with them because while they represent more people, people are less engaged with them than they are with the city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that I think that's a call to action mm-hmm. to really engage on the county level much, 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 much more. Um, obviously, don't don't stop uh, with your council member, but but I think that's a that's a really important point. Um, th- this next one, the, I like this next part of the discussion is a little maybe a lot of folks know it, but I just want to make sure they do. Uh, so let's say. Uh, I am a resident of, of the city of Sacramento and I'm walking down the street and I, I see in a city park, uh, let's say this is like last summer, right? June 2021. Uh, I see police chief at the time, Daniel Hahn, uh, in full uniform. And I know he should be working right now, but he's out there doing acro yoga with an attractive young podcaster uh and and they're really they're nailing it they're really good at this heck yeah um not only that you know in the background you see all of chief hans because he's so busy doing this amazing acro yoga Mm -hmm. with with this uh really handsome young podcaster uh, all of his staff in the background are just like partying and harassing people and they're all fully clothed in the in their police gear and you're wondering like this is where my tax dollars are going like I wonder if this is the best way that 
we should be funding the community. Maybe this should be going to better places. Who am I mad about? Uh, who do I who do I get angry to about that? Oh, um, oh it, let's say that like you know it. In a different circumstance, I'm you know somewhere. I'm on my way to Isleton, right? I'm driving down to to the bottom of Sacramento County, mm-hmm. and I I see in a uh, you know, at, at a winery as I, I'm driving by Isleton, uh, I see Sheriff Scott Jones out there doing acro yoga with uh, this brilliant epidemiologist, uh, and they are nailing it. Like, maybe not as good as Daniel sure. Hahn and, and that podcaster, How could you but, be? but like real good. Um, and then in the background, you see the same nonsense with all of right. these sheriff's deputies um, just, you know, terrorizing the the flora and fauna and um, drinking <laughs> way too much wine. And you're like, maybe we should rethink how we are funding our police or sheriff's department. Who do I get angry at in these circumstances and who do I speak to? So this is a great question. It's a great question. So city. <laughs> so if you're seeing. Sacramento City Police, you go to the city. If you're seeing county sheriffs, you go to the county. Um, because although the, there is a difference here, and this is important to note, the police are the police chief is like an employee of you know they they are run by the city government. So the city manager runs the police department. That's not true at the county in the same way. So the sheriff is elected, whereas the police chief in the city is hired. And so what that means is that the sheriff does not, you know, basically operate under anyone's authority. That's why there are like colloquialisms about, you know, the wild, wild west and I'm the sheriff of this town. Right. Because. There's nobody above the sheriff because they're elected. So elected. You, you you can go and you can report it there, but they don't have the same relationship as Howard Chan as Sacramento City's manager has to the police chief, which is now um, Chief Lester. Like, there's not that same you are my employee and I direct you relationship with the sheriffs. The county supervisors, though, do control the, sh- the sheriff's budget and have to approve it. And so that's where they can flex some power if they can get at least three votes. But they can't really tell. They can pass legislation for the county, but they can't really guide what the department does. And that's a key distinction. Yeah, that's really important. Um, So if you are an electoralist uh, and, you know, you're concerned about that on the sheriff's side, uh, you got to pay attention to the sheriff's elections. Um, I think, um, yeah, I mean... Maybe there's ways to to change dynamics uh, on the county level um, and on the city level too. You know the the police, um, you know oversight committee, the sheriff's oversight committees. They neither of them have teeth in our county, um, but they could have teeth, and that the road to them having teeth in either of those levels goes through the elected bodies of the board of supervisors on the county or the city council on the city level. Correct. Say that again, Dave. Oh, I'm asking if you could, if we were to give teeth to police or sheriff's oversight committees, how do we go about doing that? Who do we push on that? Is it, and I, my guess was the elected bodies, the city councils and the board of supervisors. Yes. 
Um, they could give some oversight authority. I think it's a little trickier with the sheriff just because the sheriff is not actually the county's employee. So Mm -hmm. that might be difficult. And that was always the challenge. So, you know, full disclosure, I used to serve on the sheriff's outreach community advisory board and for four years. And what was frustrating about it was that the only reason you would meet is at the pleasure of the sheriff right there it's not as it's not even like the police commission in the city where they have regular meetings and they're set by someone other than the police chief like it was basically up to him whether or not we met what information was shared and we had no formal authority um and so you could you know you had an audience right uh, every other month for an hour and a half but you didn't have any ability to be able to push on things you could ask questions there was you know i think the idea was like there's a relationship and i think it was mostly intended so that there could be community ambassadors for the sheriff's department where you go out and talk about all the good things that are happening and you bring sheriff's deputies to community events if you want them um and so that but that's really the extent of what it was set up for and when there were any conversations about there being real oversight even in the form of an inspector general which used to be sacramento city police chief um, rick brazil that was that was that was put there was pushback both in the meetings as well as in the way he operated and when there was a report that came out he got locked out physically physically locked out of his office and has never served in that capacity again and the (laughs) the county board of supervisors kind of acted acted as if they were impotent you know and unable to do anything about that so the sheriff being the sheriff of a town is a really important position, um, and they they have they carry a lot of weight and have a lot of power that goes largely unchecked. I think, um, yes, like all of that is so true, and it can be incredibly discouraging, especially when you have a sheriff such as Scott Jones, um, you know, here in Sacramento. One of the things I think. Um, just to think about in terms of like call to action stuff around sheriffs is, and we already said this, pay att- paying attention to the election cycle that's uh, Scott Jones is going to be running, uh, will not be running for sheriff again. Right. So that's uh, good news. Um, but also keeping on top of the county budget process. So at this point in the year, um, the county is starting to think about about what their spending should be, right? Like they're um, looking at like their revenues and they're thinking about, you know, how they might spend money and it, it will eventually lead us up into um, middle of, of the year in June when there starts to be like public meetings around the budget at the county level. And that's where like our voices can be heard around how we want to see county um, monies spent and to remember that last budget year I think the the work that the people's budget put together was um, th- I think it was 37% of the county budget was spent mm-hmm. on sheriff and and fire because they um, budget them together um, it's a significant amount of money uh, so if we want to start to one I think one of the most effective ways that we have to use our voice in this whole shit show is to make sure that we are showing up during the budget process and making our voices heard during that time. The people's budget appears to be, sorry, Flo, I just, you know, just want to talk you all up uh, before you go. It, this appears to be a really important conduit for what Shannon's talking about. 
Um, it is a rainbow coalition of some really important, really important groups um, that are fighting all these different good fights at the same time. Uh, and I think it's very important to folks if they uh, are considering joining or supporting them in some way to, to do that. Yeah. Um, and just just to add to Shannon's, you know, numbers, like it's, she's absolutely right. Thirty seven percent go to the sheriff. But I think it's also really staggering that basically almost three quarters of the budget goes to law enforcement or the carceral system. Because when you add in probation, the district attorney, the jails, um, the public defender and the courts, you're looking at 71 percent of that six point four billion dollars going to all of that. Um, so, you know, and obviously the public defender is And if you helping. subtract them, that's still 65. Right, exactly, right? right? So, you yeah. know, the public defender is one in, in the court, but you're still, you know, like that's only 10% of the of the the almost 72% of the budget. So it, it's a really significant investment that we have in this. And then we look at something like health services. So we were talking about, you know, the county has all of this, but only 5% of the budget goes to health services, right? Only 3% goes right. to human assistance. So we've said what we think is, is important. We think the sheriff, by orders of magnitude of, you know, of 5 to 10, we're saying they are more important than health services and human assistance. Um, and I think that's something that we really need to push back on, uh, especially because, you know, it, it's it's really like jarring when you would when I would hear the, the sheriff sometimes say when people say, well, what about mental health? What about this? He says, well, we have lots of services at the jail. And I mean, as much as like you want to kind of punch him in the face for saying that, there's also this feeling of like he's not wrong either in terms of the budget. Like we've put all of our money in the carceral system. So if you're looking for your mental health services and wonder why they're not coming, well, it's because we spent money mm -hmm. on these officers and the jail and probation and all of these other ways instead of investing them in prevention. And it shows up in the budget. Yeah, it does. And um, I mean, that's why it's important that that groups like the People's Budget Sacramento, People's Budget LA is really, uh, really fantastic doing this as well. Mm -hmm. Um, highlighting this discrepancy. Uh, it, it is it is appalling. Uh, it, it's something that if you go to other countries and lay out where they put their money, they don't do it towards punishing the, the people who live there. They put their money toward taking care of one another. And we have to ask why it is that even in a blue bluest of blue state like California and a blue county and a bluer city like Sacramento we still do this really disgusting kind of red meat justice funding yeah um and and we really have to think that doesn't matter if there's a d next to your name or an r next to your name or if we really need to think deeper on this and we have to think about a different direction yep Absolutely. Can I can I ask Did I have a I think I had a question. Um <laughs> it it escaped you. I guess the final question is okay. We just discussed where all the money is going where it shouldn't be going. But but where should it be going? How would it really be helping our community how could we really be supporting one another and even in ways even if you're like wow i'm afraid of crime you know crime is happening and and by the way folks crime does rise when there is a rise in poverty 
So when you're asking that question, where should our money be going, uh, our tax dollars on a county and city level? Well, I would start, I mean, we could literally start with, if we could flip that around. By the way, Flo is an epidemiologist and policy director at a major uh, public health um, group that that really is working to, to to fix things like this. Sorry, Flo. Yeah, I mean, like if if we could flip that around, right? And I mean, if we could get you know, if we could quadruple those budgets, you would be able to really see what was possible. Um, and unfortunately, we are so committed to the status quo that we're not willing to do that. But honestly, like you know, some of the major concerns, even when we get into the quality of services provided, people are like. I can't access services, right? Like I needed mental health support right. and I, and there's there's nobody to help me. There's no there's no there are no providers. Everybody is booked out. I can't get in, right? There's this there's a dearth of of, you know, opportunity for people to get what they're looking for. And that's the story. I mean, Shannon hears it every day, but that's the story we hear over and over again when we're working on these issues is like let's start with could there be more of what you already have even if we haven't fixed the system because that would be better than what i'm experiencing right now which is getting seeking services and getting nothing i think if i'm well first of all yes to all of that and if you're asking for like if some if if you're asking me where where would i put money rather than cops I would take money away from the cops Mm -hmm. and I would put money into, you know, health and human services, which, you know, would be like mental health support and like AOD alcohol and other drug treatment programs and um, things like housing programs. I would put money into... um, you know, regional parks and making sure, and parks actually is, is a thing that then also helps with a crisis of homelessness, right? Because then you have like bathrooms that could be maintained and people could then have, you know, access to those bathrooms um, instead of just locking them up. Um, I think putting, putting money into um, things like, just like, upkeep of green spaces and um put also putting money into like messaging around um public issues of public health right like our public health department is severely underfunded and how and that could be from like not only just messaging like staffing too but just imagine what could be done if we had a robust county department of public health that could say what needs to be said, make sure that the information is out there and easily accessible, could work in partnership with like the public libraries um, and whoever else to make sure that folks have access to the info that they need so that they can start thinking about the things that are important to living a healthy life, right? Like it's, I just, I think there are so many so many different things <laughs> that, you know, a, a proper transportation system for a city of this size that doesn't oh, require God. that people walk, you know, way too, way too many miles in order to get to like a, a transfer station. Like there's, there's so much. And, 
And for those who are, I mean, I know it's not our listeners, but for those who are worried about like pulling money away from cops, it's like they have so much. They have so much money. <laughs> like, and yeah, that that's a fascinating thing. Like, imagine if a public health department had half as much as a sheriff department had. Right. Oh. Imagine the people they could serve, the people they could save, uh, and and how how much healthier our community would be. I will give you an even more realistic example because it happened and we've talked about it here. Imagine if when the coronavirus relief funds arrived to the county, Mm. they just all went to health services instead of, (laughs) instead of most of them going to the sheriff's department until folks in the community had to make a big stink about it mm-hmm. and try to recoup some of those. Imagine what the beginning of managing a pandemic would look like if the resources that were mo- that were given to the county had actually been spent to manage said pandemic. Right. Just imagine. Be- I mean, we'd have neighbors who were still alive. Yeah, today. I mean, that's how yeah. deeply entrenched this spending mechanism is, that people just... Like, even new money that comes in that should, like, who thought law, are we shooting at COVID? We need Dr. Skyler on to tell us whether or not you can shoot at COVID. But as an epidemiologist, I haven't seen it. I don't, don't, don't want to get the Joe Rogan treatment. I'm cool with <laughs> right. Skyler taking tonight off. I think we just have, like, completely, because of the way that the county structure and even even the city budget, because of the way that these budgets are set up in favor of, uh, police and fire we've just like not not necessarily we but there's this like absence of imagination around what could be possible if we had if we just like dreamt about about pulling some of that money away right like we talk about the the crisis of homelessness and and how um you know we don't know as like frontline service providers when a warming center is going to open up or when the the shelter has vacancies and things like that well if we pulled some money out of the cops budget we could put that into a department of human assistance budget which could then be used to staff people who were making sure that there was succinct and real-time messaging that was going out to providers i mean just as one one small dream right we just i think if we could allow ourselves to like take the anger that we feel and also use that to activate an imagination for what is possible um especially on the side of people who don't actually give a shit in the same way that we do like we could get some really cool stuff um done or at least talked about we could have those conversations that like elected officials really like to say well, don't just yell at me. Give me ideas. Right. And we could potentially start having those those sorts of conversations. People yell because the money, it, it's all, it's all, the fix is in. It's like, right. you're going to give the money elsewhere anyway. So it's at least cathartic for me to yell at you than to spend time proposing something that you're not going to fund. That's right. fully true. Fully true. There are... Of the nine people on the dais on city council, and of course we've talked a lot about the onus on our county level, but let's just talk about city council. We know that there are seven bootlickers out of the nine. There are two folks who never took cop money, but the other seven, anytime the cops ask for anything, anything militarized, those other seven will say, yes, 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 please cops, please take this 
horrifying tool to use against the community. Um, and I think that, yeah. And, and they're, they're, they're going to do that whether you yell at them or not. So folks right. think might as well yell at them. Right. Yeah. Is there so we're we're really at the end of the show? Yeah. Uh, oh shit! You two are brilliant. Can, can uh, I? That was. Can I just offer a cautionary yeah. tale that I, I mentioned on Twitter? But I just because it happened in my hometown, I just want to bring this like also full circle. So let's say you know you're still pre Grinch's heart growing three sizes, which actually is a medical condition. Your heart shouldn't grow that much. But let's say you're in that early phase and you don't care about <laughs> any of these things. There are 46,000 bridges in the United States that are currently in a severe state of disrepair. And I'm sure many of you heard that, you know, very recently, a bridge in Pittsburgh, which is my hometown, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, not California, collapsed and 10 people were impacted. Thankfully, there were no fatalities. But this is a bridge that, had there not been a two-hour snow delay that day, would have had far more people on it and might have ended very differently. And this bridge mm. was known to not be safe, you know, and, and not be, you know, currently maintained. And one of the things that was was um, had been discussed years prior in 2019 was the fact that there is a fee that's collected when from the DMV. It's a motor vehicle fee. And it's supposed to be for infrastructure repairs to roads and bridges and that money was diverted to the state police and so Weird. you know okay you're sitting here saying i'm healthy i don't need this da, 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 da. i know that's not our listeners but there's also that you cross bridges and on a regular right. basis and there are forty six thousand of them in the united states that are currently in the lowest rating in terms of their safety and structural integrity and the money that we are spending in other places could also be better spent on that. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't know what else to say other than like, come on, people. Like, we got to find better ways to spend this money. We got to, we got to, as Shannon yeah. said, use our imaginations. Yeah. Better ways to we spend actually... the money, better ways to have the conversations. And I think like we are really lucky to be on this show where we can sit and do this for an hour. Right. And then be like, you know what? This was a good conversation. Let's do it again in like a month or so. Have another conversation about whatever the fuck we want to talk about around the city and the county. Like, yeah. And that's what this show is for. Right. Uh, you know, a, a, a f five minute package on Capital Public Radio is about the best you'll get audio wise as far totally. as depth. Um, a one to two minute package on your daily TV show or daily TV news um, you're just going to get less from them than you will from Cap Radio. What we want to do is to dive into something real, real, real deep. Obviously, you know where we're coming from perspective-wise, but we want you to know that, right? Yeah. Um, we got to end it. Um, you, I'm just so thankful uh, for you two. Uh, you're just, you're just so great. Um, this but, was uh, fun. It was fun. I enjoyed um, it. I'm. I wish I. I wish we had done it sooner. But anyway, yeah, I'll miss I'll miss it next week. I'll miss being here. Well, you know, sorry, well, folks, Shannon's gone. But we do have Tiffany Rezel Moyer coming on to talk about a great lawsuit against the city soon. Dang um, it, I'm missing. Oh, that's. I don't know if she's on that one. I'll let you yeah. know. But she'll be on very soon. Yes, we're excited about um, that. Flo, do you have something to say? I'm, I'm trying to wrap I this, you two. I just oh, wanted sorry. to say an early happy birthday to Shannon because her birthday's tomorrow. Okay, happy birthday, Shannon. Shannon. That's true. Bah, 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 bah. 
Oh my god, I have to give Shannon like a comparable gift to like the amazing gift she got. Oh my mine. gosh, Shannon's the best. I feel like such a slacker yeah. friend. Oh okay, shut up, okay. everybody! I got a date. Um, okay. Okay. We're well, done with the show. Find us at voicesrivercity.com. Yes, uh, and the big thing I want to tell folks is, um, you know, a lot of our contributions on Patreon have been dropping in recent months, and we really rely on that to keep this show moving. Um, the the B and the Chronicle charge like thirty bucks a month for their subscriptions, something like that. Um, so if you're not subscribed currently on our Patreon, please do patreon.com slash voices river city otherwise we're on all the socials we're on all the platforms you know how to find us you know how to google i am on twitter at you know kempa y-u-k-n-o-w-k-e-m-p-a i am shan n d stevens i am at flojan f-l-o-j-a-u-n-e and Skyler is at guillotine for you if you didn't read about that in the la times that's <laughs> Guillotine, the number four, Y-O-U. Good night, everyone. Okay, good night. Bye-bye. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye.